0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Get ready
1: for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th.
0: famous
2: vikings coming up on this episode of orange is the new black podcast let's get into
1: it hello world what separated your deep ball from everybody else my deep ball and has a little secret sauce to it man. <laughs> i never get too high never get too low but just keep moving the, the whole story is carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in in high school
2: welcome to the orange is the new black podcast i'm your host ace boogie joined by my co-host zim zim say what's up
1: Hello, world. How's everybody going? We got a big, big game coming up. I'm really, really excited. I think uh, you guys, uh, we went through a rollercoaster of emotions this past Sunday. And I I think there's still a little bit to talk about in that game. What you think?
2: Yeah, man, we could definitely talk about it. I think um, as we were kind of talking before the show, a big thing that I think was the big consensus that everyone is talking about, right, is the kicking, the decision from Zach Taylor to kick, the plays leading up to the kick. So what were your thoughts, uh, I guess, essentially on the kicking situation? Do you trust Evan McPherson in that situation? Do you feel like Zach should have put him in a better, I guess, spot? Should he have had better plays? Should he have taken the kicks at all? What were just your thoughts on the end of the game and and what Zach Taylor should have done or what he could have done or did he do the right thing? All right. Well, I will, I'll go ahead and give my thoughts on it. I think, you know, was it perfect? No. Uh, I think that there were things that Zach Taylor could have done differently, obviously in the situation, but I think from his mindset, and I feel like I kind of played devil's advocate on Twitter here. Like when you think about their decision to draft Evan McPherson, I felt like that was a big part of it. Right. Because when he drafted him, he said, you know, this is a guy that we think can win us games and that's why they justified the pick of picking him in the fifth round. Right. And, you know, given the circumstances, I think that he had a lot of trust in them. Now, I think sometimes I kind of got confused with like the order of the kicks. Cause there was one where a lot of people thought that he could have kicked. Um, there was the actual kick that he had before rec- the end of regulation. And then there's the kick in overtime. So for me, the only one that I kind of scratched my head on personally was the the one that I really kind of questioned was the one before the end of regulation, just because if you miss that one, you're giving the ball back to Aaron Rodgers, you know, and he was in a position where he didn't have timeouts. He would have had to drive the whole length of the field, and then you take a 57 yard field goal. That was I could understand it a little bit, but I was like, man, this is pretty risky because you're giving it right back to Aaron Rodgers and all he has to do, is make one or two passes to be able to line it up and do it. And that's essentially what ended up happening. Now, the other one, I feel like I feel like on those plays, I felt like Mixon had the first down, right? But he didn't. And I think from where Zach was coming from is it's a 49-yarder. I know I have Evan McPherson. This kid has been kicking 57-yard field goals in the preseason. We set him up for a moment like this. He's had two games where he's had walk-off kicks. I think he just trusted Evan in that situation to come away with it rather than going forward on, on fourth and short. And I feel like the green Bay really honestly kind of did the same thing, except <laughs> however, you know, they had a fourth and inches with Aaron Rodgers and their kicker had already missed two, three field goals. I think, a, I don't know if it's two field goals and an extra point or three field goals, whatever it was, he missed three kicks and he still was able to pull it out. So I feel like Zach just really trusted Evan in that situation and I think that's why he went with it. What were your thoughts, on?
1: I'm sorry about that, man. I, I, it was just d- I, the dumbest. If you guys are listening to this on the podcast, the dumbest thing ever ha, ever happened. My favorite drink is cream soda. I don't like soda, but for some weird reason, I like cream soda. I spilled it on my mouse, so I couldn't close the box. So that's that's why I couldn't respond. <laughs> I'm like, I, my hand was sliding, but the mouse wasn't responding. All right. There's so much to unpackage with the whole kicker thing, but I'm going to take it a little bit deeper, and this is an analysis that I don't think you would get from any other Bengals fan or any other podcast, and I think that's why you guys are here. The psychology behind a rookie kicker and kicking game-winning field goals is a delicate one that you got to, as I rewatch the game, there's, there's some key moments in the game. There were two different points where, you probably weren't seeing this or you weren't paying attention. It was two different moments in the game where I'm watching this and I'm and I'm internalizing this, where Zach should have kicked a field goal early in the game where if you did miss a 57-yard field goal, it doesn't matter if Aaron Rodgers comes back down the field and, and does work and kills you later on because you still got whole three quarters to come back. He had two instances where he was on the Packers 40-yard line and he elected to punt. So you already said – Already starting out your coochie, right? So at the beginning of this, that um, Evan McPherson in both of those instances is already getting his stuff to run out, they're showing him on the sideline. Zach is already is Isis kicker in my mind. This, I'm this is not an attack on Zach Taylor, this is not saying Zach Taylor lost the game. But in my mind, he's already iced the kicker because he had two golden opportunities. When you're playing Aaron Rodgers, you have to score points. You don't have the luxury of getting to their forty and playing. That's the big mistake. So then later on in the game, we get to the point that we're talking about the 57 yarder. In that drive, uh, Uno gets the Uno gets the first down. Right? Hold on, it's, I'm I'm confusing, confusing it. Bro. I'm confusing it with the 49. Yeah, the one where he's got the 57. 20-something seconds left in regulation. Evan could kick and make this field goal. At that point right then and there, his kicker is already iced and cold. He's only been kicking two, two, three extra points in this game, no kicker type stuff, right? He then brings him out there, and and the play calling before he gets to that yard line is is not good. And instead of him – and while I'm doing my live, I'm saying, bro, I mean, I mean, not punt. Go for it. Go for it. Give him up. Just get him closer. You got 27 uh, seconds left. And I think one time out. Get him closer. If you don't get him closer, I didn't feel good about the 57. My good friend Ryan McKeon is in the the audience tonight. He was at the game. He has continuously said there was not win. I mean, not Mason Crosby, but whatever his name is, Crosby, the kicker for the Packers, went on record after the game to talk directly to uh, Evan McPherson, and he even said, I couldn't judge the wind over there at Paul Brown Stadium. So I know you guys sitting in the stands, many people have told me it wasn't windy. The flags on the on the goalposts are moving, and we're seeing that at home. So I don't know if the wind was just not gusty enough to chap your lips, but, sir, it was windy, and it was windy enough that you can't be kicking 57-yard kicks and for a rookie kicker and asking to do much, I mean, do that much at that spot. And I just thought the timing of it and the psychology was wrong. And the plays that were leading up to it, he didn't set him up for success. I think he should have got him a little bit closer, clocked the clocked the ball, and then maybe we're, we're talking about a 50-yard field goal, and then that thing hits, and it, and it just makes the kicker feel good. When we get to the overtime part, same thing. Uno gets the catch on the sideline. Then they run three straight run plays. On the third run play, right, that's the one where Mixon goes and he does get the first down. This is another Zach Taylor error. He should have called timeout because he can't review it in overtime. He should have called timeout so that they can at least review the spot. Even if they didn't give him the first down, why set him up after Uno has that real good catch on the sideline? Why would you just run three straight run plays and what give him seven, eight yards or something? I mean, I'm sorry, nine yards because it was really 10 yards. It was a whole length ahead on the first down. I would have went for it right then, just to get ahead, to go give go get our kicker another seven, eight yards. Callahan, after the game, then says, oh, well, we were scared that we might turn the ball over or anything like that. Bro, we are like 10 minutes into overtime. What are you scared for, sir? Go get your kicker some extra yards, line it up in the middle, middle hash. We boom that thing through and go home. Why did you make it so difficult for, for the 49-yarder? Now... This is where I tie back to you. You are 100% right to say that this guy should hit those kicks. I just think that they didn't give him – it's like giving a a child resources to succeed in life. I don't feel like they gave this child, Evan McPherson, enough resources in these instances based on the circumstances that led up to it to make this thing be like what it was. In my gut, as I was watching those kicks, on both of them I said they're off. Like, just because I'm watching all of this play through, the psychology of him watching another kicker get his field goals missed. And you got to set him up and give him something a little bit better than that. There's only one Justin Tucker. There's only one.
2: Right. I think, um, like you said, um, going back to those plays, so I tried to to pull him up real quick. And like you said, it was the run play. The only passing play on that drive was two Jamar Chase, right? They started off with, I think it looks like, a, a draw to Perrine. He got 10 yards there. And then, like you said, they went with the three straight runs. Before that, it was the same thing on the third down. It was, Scared. It was uh, two yards to Parine, second and 10. Or no, it was a pass short to Perrine. And then it looks like it was a run on third and five that got three yards. And then they called the timeout. And then Evan McPherson tried to go ahead and kick it. I think, like, that's that's what my mindset was. Like, when they made the decision to run it, like, if you notice in each one of those plays, and this is the thing that's the common factor, I think, in, in any of those. When you look at the previous drive before both of those plays, if I'm not mistaken, or with – with uh actually not before the, the one before regulation was over, but if you look at the one in overtime, it was immediately after Joe Burrow threw the bad pick. So I could see why they would be like – you know, they were worried about ball security and the, the linebacker Scared. after the game said <laughs> that he knew something. He knew, like, with the way that he was able to pick it off was he knew that the Bengals did the one thing if they were throwing a screen. Right. So I think from that perspective – if they would have called a screen, like imagine if they call a screen know. on fourth and one or whatever it is, and he right. already knows what it is. Right. I think that they were just worried about, you know, what if we don't get this? And I think they were just like, Well, we got Evan.
1: Right, Let's right. Evan right. And, 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 and he should hit. I, I think right. Evan thus far this year hasn't really let us down. You know what I mean? For the most part, he missed the kick in the Jaguars game, but he's already done more than what a lot of people have done. And I'm and, and I'm not mad at him at all. And right. I think a lot of people will blame it. Evan McPherson It is very simple to say, you know, he's got to hit the field goals. And I do agree mm-hmm. with that sentiment. There is a purist mm-hmm. inside of me that believes that Um, I do want to touch on one thing real quick, because there is no right or wrong in that argument. Um, right. Uh, I just think this Zach is going to take on a lot of criticism every time that there's a loss. Zach, could, I want everybody to understand this. Zach could go all the way to the Super Bowl. You, you feel me? This is how crazy this mm-hmm. will get. He could take us all the way to the Super Bowl, and if we lose, if we were to lose that game, everybody will say, "Well, I, if we had Andy Reid or whoever, you know, we." I told y'all he was a failure. People will ride that all the way through. Zach might even – I might even go as far as to say Zach could win a Super Bowl and people might say uh, he should get two or three. Now, do I think that Zach Taylor is an elite coach? No. But a lot of times I think some of my messages, like the one that I was just saying, I'm pinning—I'm saying things from my perspective on what I would do. I don't want people to take this as uh, this is a shot at uh, Zach Taylor. Just like I was very critical on them even throwing plays to uh, Drew Sample or Piran. And it's not because, and I think it was Jake or somebody online or somebody like that that, that caught my attention that said that, well, Piran had a really good game. Don't be critical. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the reason why I'm so, so locked in on this Migos thing, on uh Uno, uh, Boyd, and Higgins is because it doesn't take an elite coach. It doesn't take, it, it reminds me of one of a football team I was on before. The players we had were just better, and our coach was just cool, and he right. let us do our thing. And that's what I'm kind of banking on when I talk about what Zach Taylor. And a lot of people got to buy into that, that he's never going to be Andy Reid or whatever you think he might be. But right. my, my point is this, is that people have to get accustomed to, if we're going to talk about our better athletes, we have to utilize them. So it's not a shot at saying Piron should never get run catches, but you're helping the opposition when you throw to Piron. By you throwing to Piron, it makes linebackers so much easier. I can make a mistake, and I know I can catch up to Piron. Same thing with Drew Sample. The play design was amazing on the, on the Drew Sample things. He drops it. Everybody makes mistakes. We saw Higgins drop a pass later on. But you're helping the opposition, Zachary, every time – that you throw the ball to them, because it's this simple. Nine times out of 10, Higgins, Boyd, and Uno, Uzama, Mixon, go out for a pass in any regard. I have a better athlete, and me making it very hard on the opposition. Any of those snaps, any of those targets that you take away from them to give to Drew Sample or Piran, you're doing a disservice to your drafting philosophy, and you're doing a disservice to your offense. Those, that same run, that same pass to Piran might have gone to Uzama and gone for 20, 30 yards. We just saw him have a beast of a game last week. But you're wasting you, you sources, I mean resources, and you're not utilizing the players correctly. Sample on on take currently isn't even really blocking that well. So if we're talking about the offensive deficiencies in this offense, they gotta pay attention to this stuff, Zachary. I, it, I told, I told at least, I told at least this. Until he gets me to where I need to go, he's not, he's not Zach. I'm gonna call you what your mama call you, Zachary, and you better prove it. Cause I, I had a sleepless night the other night, and I'm, I'm watching all 22, and I'm sitting <laughs> at home. What are you doing, Zachary?
2: oh no nah. i think I think Zach definitely not getting any sleep after that game to lose to the Packers, but let's talk about the Lions game um and what we are looking forward to, I guess in this game It's gonna be a game of Zach Taylor versus um Dan what's his last name like he's the 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 head coach for the Lions <laughs> oh
1: that crazy that crazy dude. <laughs>
2: Uh, I forget what his name is exactly. You guys will help us out in the comments. There's no disrespect. I I know the dude. I know the dude. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of his head coaching, but.
1: Dan uh, Campbell. Dan Campbell. Oh,
2: Thank you. Dan. So, Dan. Dan Campbell. Both of them are young coaches. They both used to uh, be on that staff together. I remember I believe Dan Campbell was the interim coach in Miami when Zach Taylor was on that staff, so I am aware of him a little bit, uh, but um, it's going to be the Bengals versus the lions at detroit on the road the one thing that i'm looking forward to in this game is that this team will be able to play and the offense will be able to play in a dome now i don't know what the science says and what the percentages are but obviously when you have an explosive offense and they get to go in there and not have any weather factors like wind or or anything rain or anything like that it allows guys to just really honestly let it loose so i'm excited to see what joe burrow can do in a dome um how he can take advantage and I'm looking for this offense to really take that next step. I don't think that the Detroit Lions are a pushover, but I don't think that we need to come in there, you know, just expecting to just say, hey, let's just, you know, let's just squeak a win out against the Lions. I think that this needs to be a statement game for the Bengals offense because they have had struggles where they have yet to cross the 30 point threshold this season. And I think that this is a game that really lines it up for you, even though it is on the road, it lines it up for the environment, the caliber of team, a team that struggles against the pass on defense, right? A team that struggles defensively, period. Um, Now, from an offensive perspective, even though the Lions don't have many weapons, I think that this is actually it fits in perfectly with the Bengals situation right now with Trey Wayne's going down with the hamstring injury, with them being short at the cornerback position, because this is a team in the Lions that don't have names at the wide receiver position that you're really going to be the worst, with. Wire, the worst
1: wire the worst wide receiver core in, in in football history. It has to be
2: in the league. It has <laughs> to be in the league. And then you talk about The matchup, obviously, we had the civil war of Panay versus Chase. So you're going to get Panay versus this Bengals defensive line that could potentially get Khalid Kareem back. That's not verified, right? They still have to determine when Khalid Kareem is going to return back to the lineup. But you're going to get this Bengals defensive line that was able to get some pressure after Aaron Rodgers. And he's going to be going against Trey Hendrickson. And Panay has had some struggles at points in this season. So that's going to be big. The trenches are going to be big. Um, But essentially, to me, this has to be a a game where the Bengals hit that 30-point mark. I think you know they got to win, and I think it has to be a convincing win. And no, I'm not taking the Lions lightly or anything. I know that they're playing hard for Dan Campbell. I know that's what it is. But at the end of the day, you just went toe-to-toe with the Green Bay Packers. You are one of the top teams in the NFL. You should come into this game and win this game convincingly And no game is going to be perfect, right? But you should look to get back on track, especially with the game looming um, next week. Zen, what are your thoughts on the Lions?
1: I think, you know, it's so crazy. I just thought about what if Sewell and uh, Jamar Chase do a jersey swap?
2: That would be insane. (laughs) That would be insane. That's a
1: cool photo. Um, uh, What I was going to say, for the most part, I just think that the the Lions cornerbacks, again, we have another week where cornerbacks are – you're going to see that every week, though. It's like Jamar Chase is – like, when we had the whole, you know, team Sewell versus Chase, what was the number one thing? I said, man, there's not enough teams in the NFL that can match up with the three guys one-on-one. The, the game plan every week, like, scrap everything. Just scrap it, Zachary. Scrap the whole thing. I'm going to come out and I and Joe pre-read what I'm saying. When you guys watch live games with me, I'm able to identify – Who is gonna get the one-on-one matchup? And Joe, throw it to that guy. If he gets you two, three yards, I promise you they won't do it consecutively over and over again. Just give it to the best, the 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 Migos and and Uzama and mix it. And just get that's the game plan. That is it. And it sounds a little crazy because people are like, well, it's a team game. You got to give it to everybody else. But not every single team has this premium level wide receivers at the top. When they try to show you stuff online, they show you stuff what are their wide receivers. They always show you duos. I was looking at a PFS stat or something like that. They're trying to tell you about Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. They're going to take over the lead. That's a duo. But They don't understand that we have a trio <laughs> Of guys that are just as capable. Like, it's not, it's a super unicorn. And people just don't want to hear this conversation because it's so unlike anything ever. And the only, what I mean, we've done it in, in our Bengals history before, but we've right. never done it like, First round, second round picks, and these guys 21 years old, like at the prime of their careers. We we got lucky with Ocho Cinco and Chris Henry's of the worlds and stuff like that. But right. these guys right now are ready to go, and you're doing a disservice to them by taking away any targets. I think it's really weird that they don't come in and say, every 24 of your passes, Joe, go to these three guys. That's that that is the game plan. And it's and it's super simplified, but it's just the corners for the Lions cannot handle that for. You know, like, they can't handle attrition of just every single snap of the game being able to cover him. Jamar Chase is the number one wide receiver against one-on-one coverage in the National Football League with a perfect grade of a 158 rating. It is the highest. If you don't come into the game the same way the Packers just did Devontae Adams and give him 15, 16 targets and he's balling like how he just balled this past week, You don't know what it takes to win in the National Football League. We watched the the Steelers do it to us for years with Antonio Brown. You give it to your best players and let them make it happen. You don't want to put that much pressure on Joe. Call up screen after screen for whoever you want, and that's what it is. Going into the lineups, TJ Hawkinson is banged up. They also have their tackle – I'm sorry, uh, Taylor Decker also – um, he, he practiced, I think, limited today. We're recording this on a Wednesday. So I'm not sure if he's going to play. But they have they have some bangs, some bumps and bruises. But Hawkinson didn't practice today with a knee injury. So that would be key if they didn't have him. If you guys play fantasy football, DeAndre Swift is one of the best running backs in fantasy football. A lot of this is garbage time stuff. But if they think that A.J. Dillon getting the ball in the flat was something last week or whatever. They, well, yeah, when we played them, yeah, last week, right? If they think right. that's something, DeAndre Swift will do you something way dirtier than that. Get him out on open field, and you better have some guys that can tackle. So that's one of my major keys is that somebody's seeing something on tape where they feel like they could test the Bengals on the perimeters, and DeAndre Swift is a guy that just like – um, um the kid uh, from the Steelers, what's the running back? Najee Harris.
2: Najee Harris, yeah.
1: Same type of build, same elusiveness, and same strength. The only difference is Ben didn't have the arm to throw it downfield, which golf doesn't do very often. I think that that could be an issue for the Bengals, but it, w- it would be a major key if Hawkinson wasn't there, although we have been doing pretty well uh, guarding tight ends this year. Um, on, but their line, like Lions fans will tell you, their corners are, are, are booty, and we need to come out there – and go to them guys. And I know some some of these people, like, and this is the thing. You could go up 14 points and you don't got to throw it no more. Now you let Joe mix it. Now you run three straight. You see what right. I'm saying? Now the clock's in your favor. Where, where did you go to coaching school on some of this stuff, Zachary? It's just like you're acting like this is December. We're not there yet. This is the time where, where you go get the yards. Um, my man Will Lutz pointed this out. Uh, shout out to him. This is the exact same time last year that, uh, uh, which we'll call it, caught his stride. Um, um, Joe Burrow caught his stride. The same time, week six of last year. I think he had a good tweet I was reading. Mm-hmm. I wanted to pull it up. Frank
2: Ragnar is also out this game as well. Frank, Frank Ragnar's on, on
1: IR, I think, right? Right. He's nice going to IR. So, um, you know, these guys are no chumps. You know, they took Ravens and I think the Vikings to the limit. So, you know, I know they're 0-5, yeah, but it, it is what it is. But they have to come out and say, look, this is the game plan. We're going to our to these guys that we have a better matchup. Joe Burrow, go find us that better matchup. Okay, the coverage isn't what I thought it was. Okay, check down. Let's throw some of this to Mixon now. Let's throw some of this to uh, Chris Evans now, right? Because last week should have been the Chris Evans game. Maybe one of those P. Ryan uh, uh, rushes instead of eight yards, maybe that goes 12 or 15 yards with Chris Evans. How would you know? And that's another good point that I, the last point I have, I guess, is that P. Ryan and uh Jackson Comer both are in uh currently in COVID protocol. So right now, Chris Evans has been elevated to the second running back. So he should be who we think he is this upcoming week. And also... Deontay Smith is is he should be getting the start for Jackson Carmen, who allowed seven pressures on Joe Burrow last year. You know who that's getting into territory of Mike Jordan territory, which was the worst offensive line guard in PFF history last year. So these are some of the major points. We don't want to create the same mistakes. I'm actually thrilled to see Deontay Smith and see what he could do against a lesser opponent. And let's see, let's see what we come out of it. But the key is to jump out on them and air it out quick, early, and make it happen. Uh, one real, real quick. And when they go into the five wide sets, teams are mm-hmm. coming; they're coming in on them because they know that Joe Burrow just wants to throw these quick sets. They got to air it out and take some deep shots early in this game to make the safeties get back and relax on his covers because that's why the five wide I think isn't working like they want because Joe is doing it quick. When I go back and watch these games, the first. Five drives of last week, four of those were three and outs because they're going five wide. So what do we say? We want them to be aggressive. We want them to be aggressive. But they're keying in on the fact that, yeah, you're being aggressive with your throwing game and you're not running, but you're throwing short. And you don't have the pocket time to go get it. So they need to go ahead and move the pocket just like Aaron Rodgers. We put that pressure on him. Cam Sample had two big pressures last week. Khaled Kareem, baby, might suit up. He, he retweeted me on Instagram just now. He said he's ready. I don't know if he's going to be ready to play, but he's clear to practice, right? If we're putting pressure on them, good teams move the pocket. When we put pressure on Mayfield – they move the pocket. So the Bengals have to go and take a, a clip out of all these oppositions and all these other teams that we're playing and move the pocket to get Joe on the move. If their first read isn't there, go to your second. Get the ball away. Slide if you have to. Don't take another shot like that again this year, Joe Burrow, because like Aaron Rodgers said, your, your future is too bright to be doing that.
2: No, nah, that's facts. I did see some people in the comments saying that they want – the same kind of uh, interaction that we have on AFC North Talk with you guys. Super Chats are open on me and Zim's channel. Um, so next time or in the future, if you ever want something guaranteed to be read, be sure to hit us with a Super Chat. You just go into the chat box. and you know, I think there's a dollar sign or something like that. That will guarantee that we'll interact with you guys. We don't want you guys to think that we're not paying attention or anything like that, just trying to get our thoughts out. But that will... Guarantee or increase your chances of of us seeing it because it will be in a different color and it will stand out. Um, right. But as you guys are listening, thank you guys for listening to the Oranges New Black podcast. Um, this weekend we're gonna do a recap show, but Zen won't be able to do it because my man is getting uh, married. So congratulations to him on ten seventeen. There will be. No stream on his Instagram. So, guys, do not this on looking for my man that's about to tie the knot. So, congratulations to him and his future wife. We're gonna let them do that. He will be back, and I will be back. Well, so I'll do a recap and then he'll be back and we'll still recap the game and probably look at the preview for the next upcoming game after that. So we're gonna try to plan for that.
1: that. We're gonna try to plan for that Tuesday.
2: Yeah, that sounds good. So about Tuesday, (laughs) be on the lookout for that. We'll get it back to you and Also, we're going to try to redo the episode or at least redo the audio for the previous episode and get Zim's half up on there. We know that you guys have been asking for it, so we'll get that on there as well. Um, and then, of course, shout out to our sponsor, Midwest Best Barbecue. I'm still thinking about those brisket fries right now. Damn, I'm, I'm still hungry. thinking about that half sweet tea, half lemonade combo. It was it was crazy, man.
1: I w- I did a juice cleanse because I'm trying to lose some weight for my wedding. Immediately, I came off of the juice cleanse and I went and tried to go get like some chicken wings and stuff thinking I could recreate Midwest Best Barbecue in my mind. It's not possible. You have to go to Midwest Best Barbecue to just get the best wings, G Fuck wings, brisket fries, and get all of these amazing. The menu is insane. Like, we're not yeah. even talking about the ice cream and the creamery that they, they have ca- as well. We too. haven't
2: even gotten to the ice cream yet. That's right. the craziest part. But they're lucky facts. they caught me
1: on a diet, bro. Because I a dog, <laughs> I would have went in the kitchen and just ate every single thing. They caught me at the right time. I swear to goodness. Nah,
2: that's facts. Uh Ira. Uh, for $2, it says, Congratulations, M. Much love from, from Pittsburgh. Will C says, Congratulations. Blessings. Uh thank you. Thank Thomas you, guys. Says, congratulations. Uh, everybody's getting it going. But thank you guys for tuning in. And of course, we'll have to end this
1: with a yes,
2: Sirski.
1: Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a no little secret sauce to it, man. never get too high never get too low but just keep moving the the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in in